Finnovate showcases cutting-edge banking and financial technology through a global conference series featuring short-form demos and thought leadership. Now, the conversation continues on the Finnovate podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Finnovate podcast. We've got a great one for you today. I'm talking with Stephen Ramirez of Beyond the Arc. You may have seen him on stage at Finnovate or heard him on this podcast before. Stephen, thanks so much for joining me again. Greg, always a pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah. So the reason that we're bringing you back on is, well, first off, we like talking to you, obviously, but also you put out a list of predictions for 2022 in the fintech space. And I always love talking about predictions. You know, I know you put out a good list for 2021. We've now made it 20 days into 2022. None of your predictions have been proven wrong so far. <laughs> Excellent so track record. Excellent. Yeah, we're off to a good start. Three <laughs> weeks down, 49 to go. <laughs> but it's it's worth reading, and I would encourage anybody to, to check it out. But let's, I'd like to dive into a couple specific ones that you had put together. Um, and we can start in kind of the crypto and customer experience space. One of the things that you highlighted in your list list of predictions was, you know, an increased battle in customer experience, obviously a role that regulators are going to play in the space. But can you unpack a little bit about what you think will happen that's going to drive this kind of customer service, customer experience push in the crypto space? Yeah, Greg. So, so our focus is on helping organizations improve customer experience. And, and while we take that from a banking and fintech lens, you know, we're always taking that back to the customer and thinking, you know, and what does it mean for them? And as we have, you know, sort of dug in around crypto, um, you know, there's certain there's certain points that are really becoming clear. You know, one is that there's huge, you know, hype and excitement about crypto, which is of course leading to greater adoption. Adoption. More people are finding on ramps to crypto, and some of them are super simple. I mean, if you look at you know Coinbase or PayPal, they really could not make it any easier to be able to you know to, to acquire your first cryptocurrencies. However, there's a lot behind there's a lot behind that initial purchase um, about how you actually use cryptocurrency and some of the some of the real sticking points that I think are going to be nasty surprises for for consumers. So these are some of the things that we think are going to get exacerbated uh, and really come to a head in 2022. No, totally. And I think this kind of follows a well-established pattern in the fintech space where the first wave kind of makes something available, makes a product available, makes a new type of service available. And the fact that it's available at all is a win. And then as we continue to play with it, it kind of gets refined. It becomes more attractive, easier to use. And I think certainly crypto is a space where there's a lot of room for improvement. Uh, do you think 2022 will be the year that we don't have a high profile crypto trading failure somewhere? I think that the that the crypto exchanges um, overall have focused a great deal on becoming more and more bulletproof. I think that they are focused on increasing security, increasing the processing. I think that it is overall that I think that from the back end, it's going to be you know I I think that that there is a there is a a better peace of mind that people will be able to you know to enjoy. 
I think that's the, I think that's the good news. It's gonna it's gonna make it easier. It's gonna be more secure. I do think for the exchanges, I think that that is true. Um, but you know, I think that that sort of is going to feed the engine, right? Like that's gonna that's gonna bring more people on, uh, and and I, then I think that's when we're going to see the pain, uh, and and we're gonna see and we're gonna have some real serious uh, disappointments and and possibly worse. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's going to be fascinating to watch that play out a little bit because it's easy to see both sides. I mean, certainly more people getting involved in the space. I think most of us in fintech would say that's a good thing, right? We want these products to be available to everybody who wants them. But to your point, it does heighten the potential risk as you have more and more people in there. Uh, it, it becomes even more difficult to give them all a good experience, good service, and keep everything up with the number of transactions that we may see. So, you know, I guess what we're saying now is, is this is a good time to to buy crypto because everybody else is about to jump into the pool. <laughs> well, you know, so so what we see specifically is, you know, there's always an issue in financial services and fees, right? And and for Beyond the Arc, we've been analyzing customer experience and looking at CFPB complaints, you know, for now like the last eight years. And if you look at any product, fees are like the top issue. And I think that what's not clear is, you know, with transactions, for example, using Ethereum, that there are that there are fees as part of the network, right? So there that that normally, if you're using your credit card uh, or if you're or if you're using online, you know, bill pay, you understand the exact fixed fee that you're going to pay for a certain transaction. You know, with Ethereum transactions, where you're where you're buying and really selling Ethereum to be able to 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 make certain transactions. I mean, we're seeing cases. I, I read uh, originally when we wrote our predictions, we were talking about fees as high as twenty to thirty-five percent of the transaction volume, right? So it was the value, wow. right? So a hundred dollars, you pay thirty-five dollars in fees, you know. But now we're seeing it might be fifty dollars in fees, you know. It might be seventy dollars in fees on a hundred-dollar transaction. Uh, and so I think that the that crypto uh, advocates will say yes, but that's a temporary condition. That will calm down, and there's and there's already changes underway with Ethereum 2.0 and other changes in protocols that are going to make that better. But right now, that's not something that people that's not something that people expect. I think that's one issue. I think the other is that when I have a problem with, a, let's say, a money transfer, Greg, I need to send you some money, you know, and it doesn't. If that transfer doesn't go through. I have recourse, right? I can call my bank. I can call my payment company. I can call my credit card company. I've got somebody to reach out to who can help, right? But in mm -hmm. this world of decentralized networks, who is on point to help the customer, right? right. That, is, that is the issue. And I think that that is also, by the way, the great opportunity for, for, for traditional financial institutions Banks, credit card companies, uh, credit unions, wealth firms who want to be in this crypto space, they have this huge advantage in customer service and customer support. And I think the ability now, some of those things are some of these problems are going to be the, beyond their ability to solve, but at least they'll have the ability to explain and support customers who are going through these unchartered, you know, kind of uncharted waters. So one of the implications of our prediction is that customer service is going to be a differentiator in the crypto space. Uh, and actually, that's something that favors traditional FIs. So we think that that actually could be a very nice outcome uh, for for some of the traditional players. Yeah, and I mean, certainly it'd be great if there were more of those types of pieces available 
more of those resources available. Even if you can't always give the customer exactly what they want, at least explain to them what's happening. That can be a really good piece as well. Um, we should move on to the next one because we could probably talk about crypto all day. You know, we go back and forth. We could. <laughs> we could and we might. <laughs> we might, yeah. <laughs> Steve did threaten, by the way, that we would make this a six-hour podcast if we weren't careful. So I'm doing my best to try and keep him uh, on, a, on a short leash. <laughs> um, you know, the, and there were many others that you wrote about, but another one that I kind of wanted to highlight is um, the rise of super apps. Um, can you talk a little bit about, I think most people in fintech have a general idea of what a super app is at this point, but it'd be good just for a quick refresher as you see it, as you kind of, as it relates to your prediction. You know, I, I think it is the transition from uh, an app simply being, you know, uh, fulfilling a single a single purpose. So sort of a purpose-based or function-based, you know, application. I need to transfer money. I need to I need to make payments. I need to you know, I need to connect with my friends, you know, on social media. Uh, I need to I need to uh, keep up to date on trends of you know lifestyle trends that I'm interested in. Right now, all of those are sort of separate. You know, those are all sort of separate endeavors. Uh, but you know, but what if? What would the world look like if that entire digital, you know, sort of ecosystem was was all to be, you know, inter integrated to really reflect how you live your life? You know, so the things that you're actually excited about in life, the things that you actually um, th that you actually do and want to do. What if there was a, a single gateway that helped to tie that all together? Um, I think that that's the that's kind of the promise behind you know where you know where this trend towards the super app is going. Yeah, I think we've seen a little bit of that on the Finnovate stage in 2021. I think we will see more of it this year as well. Um, who do you think is likely to be able to kind of give this experience in a really good way? So, you know, I've been thinking about that question, um, Greg, and, and I actually have, I've got, I've got answer, I've got sort of two types of answers there. One thing that occurred to me is a lot of the conversation is, uh, is on a B2C consumer basis, right? So super apps for consumers. I think that that's what we all think about, you know, but mm -hmm. one of the things that, that our team is thinking about is, but why do we think this would be limited just to consumers, right? So what would it look like if there was a super app for small business, Right. I think that that opens yeah. up an entirely new, you know, kind of a new set of providers and a new set of, you know, a new set of, of offerings about what that could look like. Um, so on the on the B2C side, on the consumer side, I think that, uh, you know, of course, the perennial favorite is Amazon. Uh, and they've got a variety of different types of assets from technology to finance to, to e-commerce to entertainment. Uh, so I think that they're that they're the natural choice. Um, but I think that that consistently, whenever that maybe the they're not quite an underdog, but but uh, whatever you think about whatever you think about or say Amazon in the next breath, you should be saying Walmart, right? And I think that I think that Walmart is the is the next most obvious choice uh, because, and I think that even maybe better than Amazon because I think that Walmart has a very finely tuned idea of the consumers that they're trying to reach, and so I think that they're well, and they also have a breadth of different, uh, you know, sort of offerings to be able to to put together. Uh, and then and then in our article, we actually also talk about PayPal, uh, and I think that PayPal has not shown their full their full strength in this area. But I think that those are those are three on the on the B two C side, and if I think about it from a small business side, I mean two that come immediately to mind. You know, one is Intuit, you know, the maker of QuickBooks, and I think 
think that their ability to really, and they are really focusing their entire company on serving small business needs. So I think they become a very interesting player for super app for small business. Uh, and then of course, I think American Express, you know, financial services, but but so much more, you know, and, and particularly in terms of the community building that they've done for small business. So that's, I think, I think that's our list of very, very capable providers, any of whom could be, you know, could be rolling out something for, for 2022. It'll be really interesting to see who gets that kind of first mover advantage here. I mean, certainly we've seen companies who have put together really strong technology and the apps themselves that look really pretty are really easy to use that do kind of everything you would want them to do. But being able to get them in front of the number of consumers that it would take to kind of win that category is obviously a, a Herculean task. And I think, you know, there aren't that many companies who can do it. I still hold out hope that there's room for a small challenger, somebody to come in and, you know, create a new type of company that can compete with these uh, larger companies. But I think you're right that most likely the, the first one that we see probably will come from one of those types of one of the companies that you listed there. Um, I'm just watching the clock here and it's really flying by. We have to move on to the next one already, which is not necessarily a new one for 2022. It's been kind of top of mind for a little while, but um, buy now, pay later is increasingly dominating conversations in the fintech space. In your article, you talked about how you think that's going to continue. We're going to see more growth in that area. But you also have a really interesting prediction, which is, you know, consumers will grow wary of the downside costs of BNPL. Can you talk about those downside costs a little bit and where you think consumers might start to get a little bit skeptical? Yeah. So I, I think that that one thing, you know, as an as an industry, you know, we talk about buy now, pay later as if it was one thing. Right. But actually, it's like a dozen. It's like a dozen different things. You know, every every provider has a different take in terms of, you know, uh, interest charges, no interest charges, late fees, no late fees, you know, caps on certain fees, no caps on certain fees. Um, these this, there's a there's a huge amount of variability. And I think that this is not always this is not always transparent to consumers in a in a way that other areas of consumer lending have been forced to right if you if you have a credit card or you have a personal line or you have a loan you know exactly what the terms are and it is it is very clear I, I think that I think that regulators have made sure of that over the course of the last 30 years I think that there's just as much variability in BNPL but it's not as clear and so I think that you're going to wind up with more you know increasingly dissatisfied consumers uh, who are getting uh, who are finding that these products don't work the way that they expect, uh, and that they're getting, and then they're getting hit with fees that they didn't that they didn't ask for. Uh, and and you know, as this is this is this is a little bit of a safe prediction because you know, in December the CFPB has already announced that BNPL is a uh, a topic of high interest, and they are already <laughs> uh, they are already starting to uh, starting to check this out. Well, we'll still give you credit for the prediction, even though you kind of had a little Cliff Notes version of it coming there. It's not it's not your fault that they said that in December, is it? So, no, we were uh, well underway. I'm going to say we we're well underway in making that uh, in making that point. You know, I, I think, and Greg, another just a part of it from the industry perspective is because BMPL is so hot, we also think that there's going to be some M&A in this space, right? We think that yeah. what, will, what will probably happen is there'll be some shakeout. And so there'll be fewer, there'll be fewer plans and fewer offerings in more in a more consolidated way. Uh, that, uh, that's, that's sort of the other aspect to our prediction here. 
Yeah. And I think that kind of goes hand in hand with the idea that there's going to be increased regulatory scrutiny on it, increased ideas for exactly how the space should work. But this question of what consumers actually want to do with it is still this really big unanswered question at this point. And the idea, you know, are, are, is this a product that consumers are clamoring for? Or is it something where they think, you know, I've already got a credit card. I've got a lot of ways that I can get some short-term credit and I know the fees. I know I'm comfortable using it. Um, so I think that's going to be the really interesting piece to watch. What the companies do in the industry side, I think you're spot on. I think we're going to see a lot of mergers. I think we're going to see a lot of regulation come into it. I think this big question, though, is still to be answered. Is this something which is going to catch fire with consumers on the ground? Or is it something which they're going to collectively shrug their shoulders at? Just sort of like, eh, I don't really need that product. Um, and I think, you know, if, if the space can sort out some of those hidden fees, some of those elements, make it more predictable, make it something that's a little more standardized, I think it's got a much greater chance of really resonating with consumers. Well, and I think the other aspect that's going to be a play in 2022, of course, it changes in the interest rate environment, right? I mean, the Fed mm -hmm. has already said rates are going up, right? And so, so the plans that currently have low or no interest, uh, you know, cost of money is going to go up there. It's going to be, it's going to be, who's going to, which, which financial providers are going to, are going to cover that, right? So, yeah. so I think that you're going to see rates increase, you know, or come into effect for BMPL as well, because cost of money is going to go up. And so, and so this is also going to, to your point, I think that's going to dampen some of the enthusiasm because now this is just another credit product. Um, uh, and that and there's really there's really nothing there's really nothing special there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it'll be fun to see. And certainly a lot of things for us to keep an eye on. Um, I should mention at this point that we just talked about three of the pieces which you had mentioned. There are six in the article. It is still, I think, the top article on the blog at beyondthearc.com slash blog. Check out all of the predictions from the Beyond the Arc team. You can also see uh, how they did for 2021. They kind of recap some of the predictions um, that you guys made for last year. Um, looks like you did all right. You know, <laughs> I think you were... Uh, <laughs> No, nobody can predict well, exactly we, I, what happened in the year 2021, but I think you, I think you did pretty well. I think we nailed a few of them. I think you know hyper personalization was one of the key trends for this year, and you know, and and one of the one of the big stories for all digital market marketers is the end, the coming end of third party cookies. Uh, and so what that just means is one of the big tools that marketers always had, the ability to really track you online and understand their customers, is going away. Um, but the need for for personalization is not. Um, so this is really driving new, you know, sort of new solutions and new type of work. And, and we're seeing we're seeing that really explode for and we have over the course of this year as yeah. as companies sort of see the clock tick down on that. So I think that I'm going to have to say that's definitely that's definitely a win. Uh, no, no matter how you no matter how you count it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at the very least, you know, B plus A minus territory, I think, for 2021. <laughs> Greg, you are <laughs> such a tough grader. My God. <laughs> no, you didn't nail that one. And, and I would encourage anybody listening to uh, hold Stephen and his team accountable. Um, keep an eye on this. I'm sure you guys will do another one and see how you guys did um, with your predictions for 2022. Um, but it is always, you know, there are, uh, there aren't that many people who are willing to kind of put a stake in the ground and say, this is what I think is going to happen in this coming year. And there are even fewer people who are right <laughs> when they do that. So I give you guys a lot of credit for going public with these and for you know the research that you put into them. It really is fascinating. And I would encourage anybody who is listening to this to go check out the full slate of predictions, get into a little bit of the detail a little bit more. And of course, get involved with Stephen and the Beyond the Arc team at beyondthearc.com. 
Well, Greg, thank you. I definitely appreciate it. And you know, this this year in particular, yes, we've been working on predictions for the last several years. But I'll tell you that just the the, the reception for this year's uh, for this year's predictions, I think, has been fantastic. And there's just been a lot of great discussion. I mean, and as you mentioned, you know, some some really interesting topics around DeFi and Web three. Didn't get a chance to talk about those. Even the metaverse. That's you know, we've got to take on that. But but again, we're we are trying to keep uh, we're kind of trying to keep our time under that six hour mark yeah. so maybe we'll maybe we'll come back for the extended 18 part series uh <laughs> at a later date that's maybe more of a threat than anything else at this point <laughs> i don't know what behavior we're looking to inspire with that threat but it's, it's it, uh, people need to be careful or else we might do it i guess uh, well steven it's been a pleasure it's always fun chatting i look forward to when we can see each other in person again hopefully at some point in 2022 our paths will cross in person as well but until then as always it's been a pleasure Greg, again, I really appreciate it. And I think our paths will cross at Finnovate. That's always the highlight of my year. So I look forward to seeing you in San Francisco and Finnovate in New York for sure. Sounds good. It's a plan. The Finnovate podcast is produced by Informa Connect in association with Provoke.fm Media. Check out Finnovate.com for information on Finnovate's upcoming shows and to learn how you can get involved. The discount code Finnovate Podcast will save you 20% on tickets to all of our events. And you can email us at info at for information on sponsoring, speaking, or demoing. Thanks for listening. <laughs>